We both started at the same time. Oh, I was going to do like, <laughs> are you ready to rumble? No. There you go. You just did it. <laughs> oh, I was, I was going to do it for real. Uh, no, let's not. Let's All just right. go into it. Thank you guys. Uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to I Do Podcast. Sorry for that silly intro. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. If you've never listened before, we are usually not that goofy, but uh, we had a bunch of interviews today so we're feeling a little bit loose and we haven't eaten lunch so i think it's like going to yeah my that could be that the <laughs> lack of calories but but um yeah you are in the right place if you want to improve your relationship and today we have a great guest dale sadler and dale is a licensed professional counselor with a private practice in tennessee he specializes in marriage parenting and men's issues and he is the author of four books on improving your relationship and today we talk about the four phases of marriage a couple can find themselves in and we go over each phase and certainly you guys are going to relate to one if not all of them at some point you're going to find yourself in and you don't even have to be married you can just be in a relationship and a lot of these things will come up and we talk about recognizing how you're in it and then how to get out and move towards ultimately the phase we want to be in and that is a thriving relationship. Yeah, it, um, Dale goes over pretty much like Chase just said, all the different phases of what you can or how you can be in a relationship. And um, one thing that really stood out to me is the the working phase that he talked about. It's the one that's right below the thriving phase. And it's common for all of us to go through that phase in our life. And it's it's almost like we just need to have a little switch of priorities after, after we're, or when we're in that phase. And that can help us to prioritize our relationship to be able to be in the thriving stage. So it's always about working on our relationship and making it a priority so that we can thrive in our relationship. Yeah. Working phase is, yeah, the working phase is kind of maybe just like the, the baseline. You're just kind of you're just cruising okay. through. You're doing good. You're just okay. You're not upset. You're not fighting a lot. And there's nothing wrong with being in that phase or any of the phases because we're human and, and things are going to happen. But I feel like it, it is that one where you just need a little kick in the butt because in ourselves included, because we're in this phase a lot to get into that thriving phase of where you're just firing on all cylinders. You feel loved, you're giving lots of love and, and, and things are just amazing. They're thriving. So listen for how to to jumpstart into that phase. And as always, we appreciate you guys listening. We love you guys. <laughs> and, and we appreciate the, the five-star reviews. And you can uh, also go to our website, idopodcast.com and sign up for the 14-day couples challenge where you'll get a great tip every day to to do. It's called a challenge, but it's totally doable. It's not incredibly challenging. It is a challenge. It can be a challenge. Yeah, it I can mean, be. It's supposed to be a challenge for you so that you are putting an effort into your relationship. And so some challenges may not be hard at all, but some may be for some for some couples a little bit harder. But yeah. it's 
with the intention that it will help the relationship. Yeah. Nothing good comes easy. So there's a challenge. (laughs) And then also our Hood River Couples Retreat that's coming up. And if you have not checked that out, you can also see that on the website under the Retreats tab. And check out Hood River because it is absolutely stunning. And the whole idea is that you're going to come and Sarah and I right there with you are, we're going to try new things. We're going to get outside. We're going to go on waterfall hikes. We're going to go whitewater rafting, stand up paddle boarding, wine tasting. And that is all going to help strengthen your relationship because you're doing new things. You're getting out of your comfort zone and it's going to improve that bond. And then we'll also be doing daily activities that are, uh, you know, relationship building activities, specifically, you know, challenges to work on the relationship directly, uh, not just indirectly, like bombing down some rapids and having fun being like, Oh, I love you so much. We almost drowned. And, and I feel so close to you. Just kidding. It's not, not dangerous. <laughs> no, they're actually going to be sessions that have been um, created by therapists. So, Uh, really good work for your relationship. So you're going to be doing that plus all these fun activities. And that's July 28th through August 2nd. So it's coming up. So if this is like a last minute thing, book your flights, contact us, let us know. Yeah, it's super easy to get to fly into Portland and, and and then you're basically right there. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. Check it out. And as always, we appreciate you guys listening. Enjoy today's show. Today's show is brought to you by our Hood River Couples Retreat. Join us in Hood River, Oregon this summer, July 28th through August 2nd. The retreat is built to be the ultimate vacation for couples looking to have fun, try new things, and build a stronger relationship in paradise. We'll be doing activities like waterfall hikes, rafting, wine tastings, and so much more. For more information, visit our website at idopodcast.com slash Hood River. Hi, Dale. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Sarah. So glad to be here with you and Chase. Dale, we've given our listeners a little overview, told them about your work. Why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Right. Well, um, I guess I can go all the way back to my uh, college days. I actually uh, went to college to be a minister. And uh, while I was there, you know, needed something to go to graduate school uh, for. So I uh got my graduate degree in marriage and family therapy because, you know, while I was there, you know, taking Bible classes, I took Greek and and other classes associated with that. I also took some counseling classes and uh, the the whole marriage dynamic, you know, the idea of helping people uh, just really, uh, you know, put a fire in my soul to uh, try to go that route. And I could still, you know, I could still be a minister. I could still preach. I could still help churches. Uh, things like that, and but this could enable me to help couples even further. But you know, as time went on, uh, I was a full time minister for about five years, uh, finishing up my graduate degree. Uh, I slowly decided I wanted to devote my life fully to that. I still do a little church work, um, but full time I am a counselor, and I guess you know, a lot of counselors get into the business to learn more about themselves. So that was certainly a byproduct. Um, but I like helping people. Uh, I like the psychology behind uh, family dynamics and 
the home and family of origin and all those things. Uh, but I also like talking. So I get, uh, I get paid to talk to people and, uh, they ain't no better job than that. Unless it was fishing though, I guess. Maybe that would be good. <laughs> that would be pretty fun. I'd like to fish full time. <laughs> Well, thank you for that. And, and yeah, fishing full time sounds good. Although I get to surf pretty full time and that's also, that's All also right. really fun. So definitely can yeah. relate. Uh, so we are definitely going to help a lot of people today with our discussion and, and you'll have plenty of time to talk too, where we're going to talk about the four phases of marriage that couples can find themselves sure. in and then certainly how we can navigate these different phases. So why don't we start with uh, with the four phases and we can get into each one. Sure. Um, the first phase, and let, let me put it this way, uh, in my book, Your Best Marriage, I actually start with divorce, um, which would be the end of the marriage, of course. Uh, but I started there and, and then went on to the bottom phase, uh, kind of working my way up to try to help people uh, work their way out, you know, wherever they might be in any of these phases. Uh, I wanted to start with divorce and then move up to the, the bottom phase, which would be conflictual. So if you can, you know, imagine these phases in a stair step, uh, you would step away from divorce, find yourself in conflictual, or maybe you're looking down on divorce uh, from the conflictual phase. And this phase is, you know, where the couple is at war. With one another, pretty much. Uh, if you see your spouse as the enemy, you know you don't get along. You're arguing more than you're getting along. Um, you can really see that you are in a conflictual phase, uh, and that's kind of a dangerous place to to be, especially if you're trying to save the marriage, uh, because of course the next phase, you know, would be moving on down uh, into divorce. Um, so, just some other characteristics. Um, of the conflictual marriage, um, time is spent uh, together out of obligation uh, and to keep a sense of normalcy. You know, I talk to a lot of couples at my private practice, and they they have a lot of reasons to stay together. You know, uh, love is lost, let's say. They argue all the time. They, they see the enemy across the dinner table, if they even sit at the dinner table together. And a lot of times they spend uh, moments together just to try to keep it together best they can. And that's just one of the characteristics of a conflictual uh, marriage. A lot of people stay together uh, out of a sense of obligation for the children, as I said. They don't feel loved. They don't feel respected. They don't feel appreciated. And I saw on your site you deal uh, in a few of your a few of your pages, you deal with, you know, respect between spouses. And that is, that is so important because a lot of times once you get to this stage, you're cutting each other down, you know, you're speaking contemptibly at each other and there, there's nothing but conflict within the marriage. Um, you may not be keeping secrets from your spouse uh, because of this conflict for whatever reason, you know, you might need to keep secrets, think you need to keep secrets. Um, but there's a lot of a lot of bad vibes, of course, going on because basically you're at war uh, with somebody you're living with. So that's the the bottom phase there, right before we reach divorce, uh, conflictual. Let's uh, talk a little bit about 
someone that's listening and they, they, they might be identifying with this stage and it just seems like obviously not a place we want to be in, in a relationship and might not be all of these things, but maybe just some of them. Um, and how can, besides, I think seeking therapy and counseling is going to be a, a, a high on the priority list. Um, yeah. To do. But besides that, what are some of the steps they can take to, to try to break this pattern of just war and, and, and negativity right. in the relationship? Right. Well, as you mentioned, a uh, counselor is one of the first things you will uh, want to speak out if you're in this phase. Now, not all of them that we'll be talking about would require a counselor, um, but definitely this one. So I do want to emphasize that. Um but aside from that, you've got to you've got to try to motivate yourself. You've got to try to find some type of motivation to want to work on the marriage. And one indication that you want to work on it is because you are fighting so much. You know, people who fight, uh, there there's still some love there. They they've forgotten about it. They don't know how to express it. They're just so frustrated. But you know, we don't fight for things we don't love. And changing some habits, which we'll talk more about that, but changing some habits would be important. You know, how you talk to your spouse. If you're if you're calling your wife names, if you're yelling and screaming at your husband, you know, don't expect to, to move out of this conflictual stage. Now, what makes that difficult is, you know, when you have a war uh, on your hands, a lot of times it's spurred on by both parties. So to practice some self-restraint, to go a different route rather than yelling, rather than some of your old habits of calling your spouse names, you know, you're going to have to try to do some better things, some different things, because what you're doing is you're maintaining that war. And, you know, if there's a subject, that's the other thing about a conflictual marriage, you might be in thriving, which is the top state, the top phase, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. You might be in thriving, but an event such as an affair uh, might slam you down to conflictual. You know what I mean? And so with that, you would have to, um, you know, work on that issue. You would have to remedy what, what brought about the affair. You would have to work through the affair or if there was, you know, some other form of infidelity, say with money or something like that. Um, you would have to work through that particular issue because it's not always you know, just bad habits or, you know, grumpy people. Uh, a lot of times there are things that take you down to conflictual. Now, the other phases, you kind of, you know, work your way into those by neglect, you know, uh, by not tending to the marriage and you slowly work your way down. And that can happen in conflictual too. But um, conflictual is the area that an event can bring you down. So you'd want to work on that uh, to try to pull yourself uh, out of that. And also you got to do some hard work. Um, you got to read. You got to follow some marriage gurus on t- on Twitter. Um, you got to listen to podcasts like this one. You know, I love podcasts. I used to have my own. Um, produce that, and uh, I listen to a variety of podcasts, and it's a great way to learn a skill. I listen to a fly fishing podcast. It's a great way to learn about travel. You know, my family we go to Disney World uh, fairly regularly, so. Uh, I listen to podcasts about that. Well, if you want a happy marriage, you gotta you gotta learn how to do that, and through podcasts just like this one, uh, is a great way to do that. 
definitely the motivation to get out of the the conflictual has to be there. And I think one of the things you kind of touched on it, but that's important to realize is that it takes one person to decide that. It's going to take both of you to work towards a happy marriage uh, eventually once you're there. But that work can start with one person. So I think we, we talk about it a lot on the show and, and that's very empowering because our listeners out there might be very frustrated and they're waiting for their partner to take that step to, to create the change. And it's like, guess what? You have the power to do Starts it yourself. You. Yeah. And, and, and take exactly. that initiative and don't wait for your partner to, to stop yelling. You stop yelling. You stop calling names uh, to get out of that right. conflict. What happens if you have uh, a partner who's resistance, resistant to change? Maybe they don't think it's so bad or they just, you know, aren't as motivated to want to make the relationship better. How can you start that dialogue with your partner? Right. If, if they are stable, you know, if they are in a state of homeostasis and, you know, what needs to change, I think everything's fine. Um, you know, communicating with your partner what you need from them, because if he or she is satisfied uh, with it, yet you are not, then somebody's missing something. You know, the the other partner who's stable is getting something out of it, while the other is not. So I would communicate my needs at that point. You know, I sometimes will tell my couples at my practice, you know, now's the time to be selfish. You know, you deserve to get something out of this marriage. And that's that's the way it's supposed to be. It's not a one way street here. So if you've got the you know the the stable spouse who thinks everything's fine, communicate your needs. But then you've got on the other hand the spouse who is resistant to change, and you're heavily in that conflictual phase um, where they're happy with their lifestyle, even though it's say detrimental to the family. Um, whether it's a habit, whether it's an affair, they won't give up. Uh, those things that can often move in and destroy a family. Well, you know, you got to work to try to try to bring them back to help them to try to do those things that are good for the family, that are ultimately good for them, they're good for all of you. But the spouse that's trying to motivate that other spouse, the resistant spouse, to come along for the ride, um, they'll have to, you know, come up with their own timetable to be able to say, you know, enough is enough. I've given all I can. I've tried all I can and just nothing, nothing's moving, you know, so they'll have to determine for themselves how much is too much, but hopefully they can win that spouse back and wherever they might find them. All right. So this is great stuff for someone that finds himself in a conflictual relationship, marriage. Now let's go on to the next phase. What is the next phase that someone might find themselves in? Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. We want to recommend another podcast we think that our listeners will like, and it's called Foreplay, Radio Sex Therapy. It's hosted by sex therapist and past guest on our show, Lori Watson, and couples therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews. They both believe, and so do Sarah and I, that sex can get hotter and better as your committed relationship grows. You can email them at info at foreplayrst.com. That's info, F-O-R-E-P-L-A-Y-R-S-T.com for answers to the questions 
you've been too afraid to ask. We hope you tune in and subscribe to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. Okay, so after conflictual, the next step up is a detached marriage. And if in conflictual, you're looking across the dinner table at your enemy, uh, in a detached marriage, you are looking across the table at your roommate. Uh, In this marriage, spouses think they are loved, but speak often of not knowing if the actual partner actually does love them. Uh, Routine, uh, they oftentimes miss the mark because the couple just is not connecting regularly, you know. If you're not connecting, you obviously are detached. And so, you know, there's the the idea that over time, um, you know, as the longer a couple is married, the less they know about one another. You know, you guys have been married for two years. You probably know each other's favorite color, know how you like your steak or your chicken cooked. But somebody who's been married 30 or 40 years um, probably don't know those things because they take them for granted and they, they're not talking as much and they're not connecting regularly. You know, interests change um, over time and uh, nobody, if you're not keeping up with it, that detachment will have you, you know, seated across the table from somebody you, you barely know. They might not know how to relate to one another. Um and it's, it makes marriage very difficult because it's not as fulfilling. You know, we've all had roommates. I had, you know, some in college and great guys, but uh, they didn't uh, help me out emotionally, you know, the way my wife does. So a detached marriage is just that. You are detached from your spouse. This is, uh, this is an interesting phase because it it's not characterized by the presence of shouting or or direct conflict it's almost the absence of communication like like you're describing yeah Yeah, and and it is easy especially in a long-term committed relationship to just go on autopilot things might not necessarily be bad you're not necessarily arguing but you're you're not putting work into the relationship and you know people change we for the good and for the bad and it's just Day to day, you're a different person. There's new brain chemistry going on. And, and then certainly year to year. And like I use the example of how, how your partner likes their chicken cooked. And it's <laughs> funny, but it's also kind of like all the way. It's a, all the way. <laughs> but it's, it's something kind of s- simple, but indicative of like, you need to, to always try to get to know your partner because they're always changing and, and putting that work in exactly, and, yeah. and uh, it can be a beautiful thing to lead to flourishing and flourishing, but there's, there's always levels to it, but the, the, the worst end of it being detachment and you don't even know how your partner likes their chicken anymore because it changed because <laughs> people change. So, oh so, my goodness. That's so, right. So it is uh, certainly, it, it seems like the, the main point with this phase is to be attentive and, and to to always be trying to engage in, in, with your partner. Do you have any specific exercises that our listeners can do that you recommend to kind of keep that connection and that um, connectivity alive? Right. You, you've got to be doing things together. You know, if there there's certainly room for you to be individuals, you know. 
my wife doesn't like everything I like. I don't necessarily like everything she likes. But there is definitely a crossover there where we engage in activities together that can bring us together that I oftentimes refer to it as a couple culture. And, you know, what what is your marriage about? Um, it can be about your children. You know, it can be about a hobby. It can be about a business. <clears throat> you know, but you've got to have something that you're regularly engaging in uh, in activities, something that's meaningful to each of you, because it gives you something to talk about. You know, number one, you, you can only talk about your day so much, but then you've got your interests and your leisure that you also want to talk about. And that helps you bridge those daily emotional gaps uh, with your spouse. Because what's interesting, the way the detached marriage leads into the conflictual is that, yeah, we're getting along. You know, there's no romance, but, you know, hey, you know, like uh, like, like Chase said, there's, there's nothing really going on. But that's kind of the problem. Um, do you guys remember the never ending story? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That movie. Yeah. Remember that the, the main villain there was the nothing. And when I was a child and saw this movie that scared me to death, <laughs> nothing is coming and eating us. It was like the world was just dissolving away, which was, which was pretty scary for, for a young child. But, um, I often will tell couples, you know, nothing's happening, but nothing is happening. And that's the problem. The nothing is eating your marriage. And when nothing is happening, um, you know, there becomes an animosity that slowly grows. You know, you're looking at that person. They're not really meeting my emotional needs after six weeks of not talking with one another. And you finally realize this. They're not meeting my emotional needs. And suddenly there's this anger that starts to build. And that's kind of what starts the, the spark to the, uh, to the dynamite that is conflictual <clears throat> because you haven't you know, engaged with one another. So you got to be about something, you know, together as a couple to, to grow together. I, I love that creating a couple culture and, and it's so true. And, and uh, kind of along those same lines as showing an interest in, in your, in your partner's work or, or hobby, like you don't have to share everything and certainly having something that you share together is important, but like when I come home right. from surfing and, and Sarah's like, Hey, how is, how is the surf? It feels really good because it feels like she's, she cares and she's engaging and, and like, it's my thing and I do it on my own, but like she's somehow kind of a part of it when she asks that and it's simple, but it makes a huge difference. Yeah. It's important to her because it's important to you. Now she doesn't surf. Sometimes, um, yeah, but <laughs> is that right? not I, like Chase. So, okay, so you 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 have an interest in it, but, but you're not at his level. <laughs> exactly. Okay, okay, but that that's a still a good example because it's it's important to her because it is important to you. You know, and that's that's an important point to make. Absolutely. So we've got the detached. We went over conflictual. What is the next phase a relationship can find them find itself in? The next phase is the working phase. And, you know, your enemies in conflictual, your roommates in detached. With working, you're a business partner. You know, we were talking earlier about finding motivation to save the marriage. And when you just really don't like that other person, motivation can be difficult to find. So you got to find some motivation. One, mo- one area of motivation is, uh, is your children. Um, I tell couples, you know, don't stay together for the kids but work on your marriage for the kids. 
you know, it kind of puts a different slant on it. You got to improve this. You can't just stay together. You got to improve it. Um, and with, uh, with a working marriage, the other motivation is that you see in this faith is, uh, the fact that marriage is a business proposition. You know, it's money and this, this sounds cold and heartless, but it's, it's a fact of life that when you're married, you're worth more, you'll live longer. So there's the health aspect to it. And so marriage, it really has its own intrinsic value just staying together. Now, I'm not saying that a bad marriage needs to stay together just so you'll live an extra five years. That's not the case at all. But a working marriage, you're, you're business partners. You know how to raise the kids well. You both handle money well. And, you know, you're not arguing. You know, you have your spats here and there. Uh, and in a working marriage, the, the spouses believe they are loved. And a lot of, of spouses are in a working phase and are just fine. They are just fine. Um, especially if it's, I don't know, during baseball season, maybe soccer season. <laughs> maybe they're in the final phase throughout the rest of the year. But uh, with uh, during soccer or one of those sports seasons, you know, they don't see each other as much. That's one of the characteristics of a working marriage. Things are they're getting along well and they're doing great. It's, it's not a bad thing to find yourself in the working phase. The detached phase is, is you know, kind of dangerous, and you need to start looking up. And, of course, nobody wants to be in conflictual. But we all move in and out of the working phase because we got lives, we got jobs, we got to get stuff done. And, you know, the only way you can do that is by not, by not seeing each other as much as you would actually like, okay? Now, any, just about anybody, especially if they're a solid marriage, can go through the working phase on a fairly regular basis. Like I said, during seasons, I live here in the South uh, during deer season and duck season. <laughs> a lot of marriages are uh, definitely in the working phase. Uh, so, but that, that's what's characterized uh, in, the, in the working phase marriage is things are going well. Uh, they could be better, but uh, there you are and you're getting along and you're happy. It seems like maybe just one partner doesn't have their priorities in the relationship or have the relationship at a, as a priority at that time. And that's how it can fall into the working um, phase. It can, it can. You got one spouse who, you know, may, maybe a stay at home mom or maybe one spouse works more than the other, maybe a stay at home dad and one spouse works more than the other um, because the other's, almost married to their career and they're spending a lot of time at work. And, you know, the, this phase can, you can come in and out. Like I said, you know, I, I'll tell couples a lot of times, you know, one spouse may work a lot of hours Monday through Thursday. Um, you know, and I, I don't want to tell them to quit their job, but what I do tell them is come, come Friday, come Saturday, come Sunday, it better be all about that family. You know, if you've got a job that has odd hours or that's long or you're very career driven, um, you can still have a, a happy marriage, a, a thriving marriage. It just might be uh, on the weekends for that to occur. But you've got to then later when you have the opportunity, make the marriage a priority because, you know, in that way, you're moving in and out. Now, if your job becomes a priority or something else does that's harmful to the marriage, you're going to start to see yourself start to slide down and uh, start moving into the, the, the detached and the conflictual because if, if just one person's holding it up, they can only do that for so long. 
So it seems like the working phase, it's it's not the worst thing. And like you said, you're kind of just going along, but we want to thrive if we can, if we can. And, and there's right. nothing wrong, it seems like, with being in this phase and, and it happens. But how can we get into the last phase that you mentioned and talk about thriving? Right. Yeah, the final phase, and it's, it's where we all want to strive to be. Um, is, is in the thriving phase. And you've got to do some of the things that, I, of course, everything that I've talked about earlier, depending on where you find yourself. I recommend to couples to read a, a good marriage book each year, you know, listen to podcasts, have a good couple culture where you're uh, spending a, a great deal of time together. Um, so it's going to take work to move into a thriving marriage. But the, the short answer of it is the marriage has to come first. Um, you are both getting fulfilled from the marriage. You know, you uh, you love the other person, and you you do things for them on a regular basis. Now, if if your listeners will Google, you know, happy couples, uh, things happy couples do every day. Um, that's one way to work yourself into a thriving marriage. It's probably one of the final pieces I would give a couple after the other things that we have talked about. But there are things that happy couples do every day. And uh, if you can find yourself doing those things, some of them on the list that I included in my book uh, from the Huffington Post, they have nice, they have long hugs, they give each other space, they find ways to brighten each other's day. And a lot of people are, some of your listeners might be like, I don't want to. I want to do those things. I can't get along with him. I can't get along with her. Let me tell you this. Wise old preacher told me this one time. You will never feel your way to better acting, but you can act your way to a better feeling. That's what's keeping a lot of your couples out of the thriving phase is they're not acting like they're in love. In the working, they know they're you know loved. The detached, they, they're pretty sure they are. Uh, conflictual, of course, there's a lot of questions there. But in thriving, you actually act like you love your spouse. And while you might not feel like you do right now, you start, you know, bringing home some nice, some flowers or just putting a card by the coffee maker uh, that morning and doing these things that express love, then the feeling will come after. Uh, Because if you wait on the feeling and you're not doing anything, uh, you're going to be waiting a long time. That is such a great saying uh, that you can apply to really everything in your life. And it, it's it's like creating a state change in, in your body by doing something physical to to affect the, the internal. Um, so uh, if you could just say that again, because um, I think it's so beautiful. Yeah. You'll never feel your way to better acting but you can act your way to better feeling. Yeah. It's just and, such and, a... And I, and I, I don't want to cheapen it by saying, you know, fake it till you make it. I don't want it to do that. I don't want to cheapen it. But if what, you're, what you're doing is you're expressing love and then that feeling will follow, you see. Yeah. It's, it's almost like the... Like I said, you can apply it to so many things, but they say smile. Like if you're if you're feeling a little bit down or or not super happy, just right. the act of smiling is going to release endorphins and and chemicals in your brain, and it's going to force you internally, biologically, to feel a little bit better. It's not going to fix everything, but 
exactly. if you go around pouting right. and, and, and you're ruminating, like in your face is in a frown, like you're releasing certain chemicals. And, and so it's kind of the same thing. Like, yeah, force yourself into the action and, and, and then, and then you're going to create a habit and, and reinforce, uh, these positive emotions. And so, and it's such an empowering thing. Like right. don't, don't sit and wait, uh, you know, start acting and, and you're going to create the change you want to see. Exactly. I didn't feel like getting up at 5 a.m. and working out this morning, but I did. And I was glad I did. Right. You know, I felt so much better. I always have a better day uh, when I work out early in the morning and it makes a big difference. Yeah. Force yourself to do it. Create the habit and and you can get into a thriving relationship. And And Dale, you've given Sarah and I and our listeners a lot of great advice. And it's good to know all of these phases, because even though we might not be in being, let's say, conflictual, we at some point you're going to have conflict and you don't want to, like you said, it's easy to slide into that. You might be in detached or, or working and then something traumatic happens and suddenly you're in this different phase. So a lot of great advice. And why don't we finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. My website is dalesadler.net. There you can find a lot of articles and read up uh, more about me and what I do at my counseling practice. Um, also, uh, there's a link to my book, my latest book entitled Your Best Marriage, uh, that can be found at, as well as my parenting book entitled Generations to Come, Becoming All Things to Your Children. So those can all be found on Amazon and on the Kindle. Perfect. Well, we'll uh, be sure to link to your books on your show notes page on our website at idopodcast.com. And thanks again for joining us on the show. Great. It's been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. For more information and the links um, from the interview today, you can head on over to our website at idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab and it will be the first episode there. And while you're on our website, if you are interested in learning more information about our upcoming Hood River Couples Retreat, then click on the Retreat tab and you'll be able to find all the information on the retreat. It's going to be at the end of July this summer and we look forward to it um, with you guys. It's going to be an awesome couple days in Hood River. It's amazing there. So we hope you join us. And if you are on our website and you're looking for some resources or some tools for your relationship, we really encourage you to check out our 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge. It's a free challenge where we send you a daily email for 14 days. And in each email is a doable challenge for that day to do within your relationship. And it's going to help you become stronger, more connected, more intimate. And uh, we know that you're going to enjoy it. We've had some great feedback from all you guys who have done it and uh, we're so happy that it has helped you in your relationship so again all that information is on our website at idopodcast.com head on over there and thanks so much for listening have a great day